0: There's an urgency in our assignment. One mission. Last week we talked about Jerusalem. Being close, being right where we are. Being the people that we already have influence over. The second part of that strategy that Jesus brought upon his ascension in Acts chapter 1-8, was Judea. Now, reading that passage is simple when you just look at it from a geography standpoint. Jerusalem, Judea, to the north is Samaria, the ends of the earth is everywhere else. Yet this word Judea, I've discovered, as I'm beginning to kind of unpack this, is a little bit more than that, maybe even a little bit more complex. The word literally means the land of the Jews. And so I don't know about you, but a lot of times, I think all of us, or most of us can attest to, we've read a passage of scripture and When we read that same passage, God shows us new things about that scripture. So as I'm reading Acts chapter 1-8, I'm thinking, okay, start here and then go there and then go there and then go there. But the strategy was much, much more thought out than that. one thing I have learned about the scriptures and about the word of God and the words that Jesus said is that he doesn't waste words. (laughs) If he says it, it's important. This is the one who spoke and all things came into being. So when he says Judea, and I learned that it means land of the Jews, maybe there's something there for our assignment and our mission. Maybe we have a calling upon our life to reach those that already have some type of understanding about who God is. The fact of the matter is that people in our community, in the Charlotte area, I've done studies on it before, how many people die each day and done studies on this topic and it's well over 6,000 people in our area that will find their end in this life. If anything, that should be an urgency within us because none of us know when our time will come. And none of us know when that person that we may be burdened for, when their time will come. So the urgency of our assignment, I'd like to start with Psalm chapter 39, beginning in verse one. I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. But as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew worse. The more I thought about it, the hotter I got. Igniting a fire of words. Lord, remind me how brief my time time on the earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows. And all of our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth and not knowing who will spend it. Oh, and so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My hope only is in you. Let it be a reminder to us, as the psalmist said, that time is short and it's precious. He found himself in the company of ungodly, saying ungodly things. And at that time, he was quiet even said no good things, and yet the psalmist could only tolerate it for so long before there was an explosion. Something had to be said. I don't need to tell you today that we live in a world full of lies and deceit. I don't need to tell you today that you probably have been in an atmosphere or a workplace or a circle of people having a communication where there was ungodly things that were going on. But I do need to tell you that our reminder today is that we cannot be silent anymore. If our life is but a breath then are we missing our opportunity day after day after day to speak the truth. The land of the Jews Judea Jesus was laying out a strategy. You see, in the book of Acts, Peter went to the temple after Pentecost to worship and then to preach to the Jews. Paul, the apostle, would go first to the synagogue in each town to reach the Jew. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 116, we see Paul explaining the strategy of the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ that is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes the Jew first and then the Gentile. Romans chapter two echoes this idea. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first, also for the Gentile for God does not show favoritism. Now, if you're sitting there today, and say, Pastor Andrew, I don't know any Jewish people. (laughs) Let Let me help you. While the assignment of the early apostles was to reach the Jew and then the Gentile, the application for us today is like this. Why would they reach the Jew first? Because the Jew had a baseline of which they could understand. So let's pretend that you had to have a 10-minute conversation to bring with them the plan of salvation and the gospel message. Well, for the Jew, that conversation would be more like five minutes because they already know there's a creator. They already know there's a God. They've already accepted that. And they already know that there is a Messiah that's said to come. What does that mean for me and you? Did you know that COVID was the single worst enemy of the church in many ways? that there are people still today sitting at home. And I would, I would be bold to say, but I think it's accurate, no longer out of fear, but out of complacency and habit. I got out of the habit. And can I tell you something, church? That having a relationship with Jesus Christ is also having a relationship with the body of Jesus Christ, which is his church. And before you tell me the church ain't a building, when you woke up this morning and you said something to somebody, you said, we're going to where? Well, that's where you are. Because sometimes common sense is just that. It's for, it's, we need to have common sense. No, the church is not just limited to a building, but it is a place where we come to fellowship and worship. That's where we are today. So the baseline for the quote-unquote land of the Jews is the one who may have slipped away. And there's probably a good chance that many of you in the room already know who you need to call. (laughs) Because they have slipped away from being a part of the body of Christ. So our one mission to go to Judea is to go to the ones, the backslidden, Dare I say, the lazy. The one that feels they can live for Jesus on their own. I don't need the church. I can pray on my own, I can study on my own. I can live for Jesus on my own. Listen, you don't need the church until you need the church because I can't tell you how many times I've got texts and phone calls that, hey, I know I have men coming, but something happened. Can I just tell you, and and maybe this is is too audacious of me or too out there or too bold, but maybe, just maybe, if you was in the body of Christ, you may not be in a place where you need that type of support so often, because maybe you're walking a little differently in your spiritual life. Maybe your kids are in the church because they're with you and you're in the church and they ain't backsliding like the world and wondering, well, you never went. I grew up going to church and then one day we just stopped. The land of Judea, the people that already have a baseline of understanding you are called also to reach them. And can I tell you from this preacher? Sometimes I'm tempted to stop asking. Well, I've invited them all I could invite them. God bless them. That sounds harsh and it sounds cold, but a reminder to me is a reminder to you that you may be the only voice that determines eternity. You see, our doctrine is simple. We believe that salvation is our decision. We Accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And it is a gift. But how many of you guys ever returned a gift before? I, I believe it is also possible you don't lose anything. You say, God, I want nothing more to do with you, and I'm going to show you by my actions. Hmm. See, y'all ain't ready for this. But I can just put you at ease because if you're here today, I ain't fussing at you. but I'm encouraging you to do something for the sake of the one that thinks they don't need the church. So our one mission, if the early strategy of the early church was to reach the Jew first and then the Gentile, we also see that modeled in Jesus. We've got two models that we're gonna look at today. First, the Jesus model. The Jesus model. Did you know that Jesus did not call 12 disciples? There's only scriptural evidence of five that he actually called. And one was kind of indirect. So he only opened his mouth to call those few disciples. Now they, in turn, went and got somebody they know. And they, in turn, went and told other people about Jesus, even while he was here upon the earth. And see, that is why we saw not just hundreds, but thousands of people that would find Jesus wherever he may be. The Jesus model was also to go to the Jew first because there was an understanding. The Jesus model was one of boldness. He was the hammer of the Holy Spirit, in a a manner of speaking. He came right at you, he pulled no punches. He was very bold. And the reason why he was very bold is because he had a confidence that the Holy Spirit was fully leading him to call these specific disciples. There's an analogy that goes throughout Scripture about Jesus being the great shepherd. But can I tell you, you don't need to be sheepish about sharing your faith. The calling of the disciples... Followed the trials and the temptation of the wilderness in Jesus' life. If you don't feel like you're ready to share your faith and to reach out to someone, then what are you doing to change that? Are you getting alone with the Lord? Are you in a place where you're pushing back against temptation and walking away from your sin? Making yourself ready to be full of the Holy Spirit and led by him? The boldness is seen in the response of the first disciples. You see, he knew that they had a longing in their heart that was already there. You too can know that when the Holy Spirit leads you, there is a longing in their heart that's already there. What's the way that you can get everybody to say yes that you reach out to? Listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He'll send you to the one that's ready. The second part of the Jesus model is brevity. Now, I think some of you may appreciate this one. There's a concept in leadership and in life in general called the elevator talk. The elevator talk is a discussion you can have when you get in the elevator with someone and it's over by the time you get off the next floor. Can I just be honest with you? I'm not good at elevator talk. Somebody gets in the elevator and I turn and face the back wall. Wait for them to get out. Just kidding. I don't do that. That'd be weird. Jesus called people that already had a baseline for belief and understanding. They knew the God of Scripture. They knew that their people were looking for a Messiah. These disciples that he called were in this 400 years of silence Because there had been no prophet in Israel. There was a hunger. There was a burning for something to happen. Jesus didn't have to lay any of that out. The elevator talk was pretty simple. Follow me. Now that's a quick elevator talk. I don't know if you've been in any elevators that go that fast, but that's a quick elevator talk. I wonder... I wonder what would happen if we would just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open the ears and the hearts of the people before we reached out to them. I wonder what would happen, but that family member that you're thinking about right now, that loved one that you're thinking about right now, that friend or that coworker you're thinking about right now, I wonder what would happen if you prayed on Saturday night of next week, Holy Spirit, just help me right now. I'm getting ready to call. I pray you'd make their heart be ready. And then you picked up the phone and beep, beep, beep hello, I I want you to go to church with me. You know, I had plans and now they're canceled. I'll go. I was having a hard day today. I need to get back in church. I wonder what would happen if we heard the Holy Spirit the way Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. You see, here's the bottom line. Pastor, I don't know how to hear the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you like this. A good way that you can figure out if it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you is if you wouldn't have thought about that on yourself, on your own. Somebody came to mind. Well, maybe it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you to call somebody. Can, can, can I help you with something? I've ignored that sometimes. Don't feel bad. Just say yes next time. Amen? We, we don't serve a God who beats us up because we let him down last time. We serve a God that gives us another chance to be obedient, amen? Man, I'm thankful for that. If you ain't thankful for that, then you don't, know. you don't know. You ain't never messed up like I messed up. Me and Pastor Anthony, we're thankful for it. The third thing about Jesus' model, it was, it was baffling. Now catch this. There was a sense of curiosity that could not be avoided when he walked by and called the fishers of men, the the, the the fishermen to be fishers of men. The Bible tells us that he's walking by, he called James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were helping their dad. He had a fishing company. And Jesus walked by and said, Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Now here's how I picture it in my mind. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. This is the Jesus, the boldness, the brevity, the baffling. I see these guys, the Bible says they were cleaning their nets. They were fixing things. Huh, what, what? Where's he going? Did he say something? He said, follow me. What does that mean? I don't know. We should probably follow him, but we want to find out. Dad, love you. You got it. We'll see you. Baffling, here's how it goes. I wonder if there could be a boldness and a brevity and a baffling conversation that we could have with someone that would make such an impact. Hey, listen, man, I I, I wanna just invite you to uh, hang out with me and, oh, let, let me step out here in faith. Let me say this. Hey, go to church with me. I'll buy your lunch after. Some of you are like, man, I ain't got that kind of money. (laughs) What you do is you promise them Chick-fil-A and then you act like you didn't know it was closed after church. (laughs) I'll take you to Chick-fil-A, it's fine. and drive it, oh. (laughs) (sighs) That part was not anointed. All right, so. (laughs) You see, Jesus said something so baffling to them that they wanted to see what he was talking about. What has God done in your life that would testify of something baffling and amazing? Can I just say, if he ain't done nothing lately, lean into him. Let him build you a testimony so you can go out there and testify. You see, Andrew went and told his friend Nathaniel, come and see. The woman at the well went and told everyone she knew, come and see. Some of us need to look at our life again and remember the come and see story. Some of us might have known Jesus a little bit too long that we've got to a place that we, 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 we've forgotten where we were when he saved us. We've forgotten how sore we were when we were in the ditch. We were forgotten that there was nobody else that cared and there was nobody else that loved us But When Jesus reached down and saved our soul. Yes. Yes. Can I remind you today that he saved you for a reason. Certainly to have that relationship and eternal life, but more so than that, your assignment is clear. You have a mission. The second one is the ax model the Acts model. I feel like I'm preaching today, but I don't feel like you're talking to me. Acts chapter eight, one, we see in the scriptures that something happened. Bible says that there was a great wave of persecution that began on that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. (laughs) Where did we hear Judea and Samaria before? Oh, Jesus said it. So see what happened is the church was born and then everybody settled. And so there had to be a sovereign allowance of God in this persecution to make something happen to get people unsettled again. I'll put it to you this way. I think God loves that person that you may be called to enough to make you a little uncomfortable if you ignore him. Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Brother, I don't know. But, 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 but maybe maybe your assignment is clear And the call is clear and the mission is clear and 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 maybe that one that's going to hell god wants to use you to reach them and if you ignore him a little too long maybe maybe something would transpire in your own life to draw you drive you to reach that one you see they had they had to react to something and the devil was trying to get them back into hiding because when Jesus was kidnapped to be crucified. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 26 that all his followers ran away. (laughs) Punks. Now I say I wouldn't have run away, but I don't know. But all of them ran away and they went into hiding because in John chapter 20, we see them hiding in a locked room, scared of the persecution that they would experience. Well, the devil, the devil, in his mind, he is a strategist, you know, right? The, devil, the devil's a strategist, but let me tell you the difference between the, de- the devil and God Almighty is that God, the creator of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, and the Holy Spirit that moves among his people, listen, God is all-powerful in all places all the time. The devil is not all-powerful, and he's not everywhere all the time, and he certainly don't have all the knowledge so he's at a disadvantage. You see, he thought killing Jesus would solve the problem, but killing Jesus is exactly what needed to happen so you and I could experience new life in eternity because three days later, he rose from the dead. Here comes the devil again. He ain't learned his lesson. I'm gonna kill one of these Christians. I'm gonna persecute the church. Oh man, what you just did is you have spread it like a wildfire and it was reactive. Many times it's been said that life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react. Well, this time they didn't go into hiding. The Bible says they went to follow the Lord's, the Lord's commission to go to Judea and then to Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. They were redirected, secondly in the Acts model. At this time, it was believed that the Jerusalem church was 10,000 people. Now, there's nothing wrong with a church of 10,000 people, but could you imagine our meet and greet in that time? Take the next two hours and greet one another in the name of the Lord, we'll see you next Sunday. But but a side note, if I can, there's a A house church way of thinking today that kind of leans itself towards, that's the way they used to do it in the book of Acts. You know the only reason why they had house churches in the book of Acts is because they didn't need a building then. Because as soon as they outgrew the house, they moved into a church. You go back to church history and you find that they were meeting outside. They were meeting on roofs of homes. They were meeting in the large upper rooms that sometimes were designed in these business establishments. There's a story in Acts that one cat fell out the window and died because Paul preached too long. That won't happen this morning. (laughs) You see, Peter's house actually has been discovered, they believe, by archaeologists. And you know what Peter's house looks like? All the walls have been knocked out. Why? Because his house became a church because it outgrew the house. House church, that's great. Great place to start. Both of our little churches in India are meeting in a house, but you know what I see? Every time I see, they're knocking some walls out and moving people around. So a side note of the redirected part of it is that the church is something valuable in the strategy of reaching the lost. You see, there's a vernacular in Scripture called open and closed doors. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, Jesus is talking to one of the churches. This is what he opens, no one can close. Speaking of God, what he closes, no one can open. I know all things you do. I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Paul talks about it in two places in 1st and 2nd Corinthians about how going to a certain town, Macedonia and Troas, that God opened the door. So he was, these people were redirected. Can I just tell you to lean into the, the leading of the Holy Spirit and allow him to open a door no one can close for you? The concept of redirection for the sake of the gospel is very true. You see, Jesus told them to go. There was delayed obedience, which brought about the redirection toward the completion of the call. Can I tell you the mission that the Father has called us to, the mission that Jesus has told us to accomplish, is far too important for us to get in our own way. Hmm. The third thing is responsible. Tell your neighbor, get ready. For the 10 of you that actually did it, listen closely. Greater Life Church, whether you're new or you've been here a while, all of us need to take some responsibility for what we're called to do. From Acts chapter 8 throughout the rest, we find the believers taking seriously this command. They no longer get comfortable. They no longer stay in one place. They go to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We see now, historically speaking, as we look back, that there are large churches all over the known world at that time that were established and growing. The apostles were now dedicating themselves to going to these churches and training the believers that are there to reach the community. I have a responsibility as a believer in Jesus to share my faith, yes. But can I tell you, if I can just get a few hundred of y'all excited about it, then we can do something really cool. we go to the one who already knows. They may have been active in their faith at one point, but now they have backslidden, they've fallen away. Can I just put it this way? Let's assume for a moment that their eternity is secure and they're going to be in heaven someday. And yet they aren't a part of the local church. It doesn't take long to find out that you being a part of the body of Christ have a role in the body of Christ. This is gonna shock you. Maybe being a part of the local church ain't for you anyway, but it's for that local church. Let me say it again. Maybe you're not going to church to get. maybe you're going to give. Maybe you're the only one gifted and called in such a unique way that something in that local body could benefit from your talent. Maybe God could use you to stoke the fires of revival instead of sitting at home and watching church on TV. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know you're here today, but I'm giving you something to take with you because the arguments that are made are weak at best. Do they have to come to greater life? Yes, just kidding. (laughs) Even if they live across the country, just kidding. God is calling us to fulfill the mission. Whether you adopt the Jesus model or the Acts model, you see yourself in one of these things. Call somebody, tell somebody, start with those who know you may find it more effective to rekindle the flame that once was there that has dimmed than it would be to start a brand new fire. Hmm. Jesus gave a clear command. Delayed obedience required discomfort. And let me put it, this this is my final statement. In this passage of Scripture, all except the apostles went Somebody has to stay at the house. I'm going to go and talk to people as the Holy Spirit leads me. But can I tell you, when they hear from me, they know it's coming. Hello? But when they hear from you, maybe, maybe it'll have a greater impact. Would you bow your heads with me? So, Lord, I know that these precious people in the room today, that you've given them relationships with people, that they're out there. People that I may never have an opportunity to meet unless they show up here one day. I know, Lord, I know people in my own life and circle that they may never have an opportunity to meet unless they show up here one day. But God, I speak on the behalf of this congregation. And I say to you, Lord Jesus, that we want to be obedient to the mission. And Lord, I ask you, by the leading of your Holy Spirit, that names would drop in minds all over this room right now. I don't know about you, but my my mind is swimming with several names. God, may we feel responsible to do our part. I know that we can't make anybody choose you, but help us to have a clear conscience on being obedient to inviting, to offering to pray, to offering to lead. Help us, God, to fill your house. Lord, may our next baptism here at Greater Life Church take longer than it's ever taken because there's so many people walking in it. (laughs) And let it be a testimony to us that you keep your word when we do our part. Help us to be obedient. And now Lord, use this body to reach people that need to be reached, to those that once had a great relationship with you, but they've fallen away. God, may there be no more fear from COVID. May there be no more complacency. Spur us toward harvest and revival. Do what only you can do. Change those hearts from the inside out and use us to do it. It is in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. I'm gonna offer you an exercise in accountability. If you know someone here in the body I want you to text them the name that God gave you. So both of you can be praying. I can't wait to see what God does with an obedient people. Man, oh man, I I see it. What are we waiting for? Read it one more time. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath, we are merely moving shadows. And all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth, not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Help us, God, to be about your business. Help our agenda to be your agenda. Help the people that's on your heart be on our heart. And even so, Jesus, come quickly. And help us to be ready. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Listen God bless you. I'm praying for you this week. Let's change some lives, amen? Amen, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming.